0: I think it be played a part in
1: that. <laughs> sauce out of date. Now, you know, that's a big warning sign because sauce lasts for so long. If you got one that's out of date, you know you're in trouble, basically. Yeah. yeah. What sad. sauce was it? Um, sweet and sour. Okay, so it's hard to tell if it's off or on, really. That's
0: right,
1: yeah. There's no taste indicators. Is there?
0: <laughs> it just came so quick as well. It was really weird because one minute I was fine. The next minute... I could not stop being sick, no matter how much I tried, it was just
1: horrendous. You know, it's horrible and I haven't touched wood, um, pardon the superstition, I haven't been that sick for about 10 years, I think. A good decade, a good decade. And every year I'm like, "Ah, is it going to be this year? Is it going to be this year? to get the big thing. No, and I've worked in healthcare for 12 years as well and at the beginning of working in healthcare got every flu, every bug, every sickness, every single thing that came a- around and I just think those first three or four years was just me getting immunity to everything that was out there. Yeah. We used to have a joke in our clinic because it was like a really busy clinic and it was a private clinic so there were no barriers or anything uh almost like walking into a hotel lobby that kind of thing in London you know and um Yeah, we were just basically joking and we were testing out illnesses for the general population, you know, to let you know what was coming up, basically. We just got sick all the time. And uh, and the owners didn't care. They didn't want to take away that personal touch. Yeah. Uh, But fortunately, it means I don't ordinarily get very sick, you know, just man flu, which is not really real, is it? You know, just, you know. Right. Yeah, according to my wife, anyway, it's not real. (laughs) Yeah. And every other one out there. I wanted to talk to you anyway because 401 files, you know, and we're all a small community here in the UK. Yeah. We're looking, and I know you look for more than just Bigfoot, but looking for the kind of things that we look for. It's not like the US. There's not like a couple of thousand of us. There's 10 or 15 or however many, especially in Bigfoot. There's not a lot of people. And I wanted to get your take on what you think. The subject is why it drew you in in the first place, and uh, and and where you stand with it today. So you know, just give us a little bit of background. How did you get dragged into the British Bigfoot uh, craze, and how is it detrimentally ruined your entire life? So for me, I came in very different, <laughs> uh, very different to most people.
0: Um, my interest never started off with cryptids um, or extraterrestrials either it started off with the paranormal growing up in um, a house that was very active with poltergeist activity um, and I think from a very young age that opened my mind to the possibilities of other things you know if ghosts can exist and the adults at the time didn't have the answers to what was going on what else is out there that we don't know anything about and around about the age of 10 or 11 um, I had an experience that I would uh, say, it was more extraterrestrial in nature, and that completely just blew the doors wide open for me after that point. Um, and yeah, I started to um, have a big interest in things like the paranormal and things like UFOs and extraterrestrials. And it was in doing the research into these things that I realized there was such a thing called the UK Bigfoot. Before that, I never even heard of anyone talking about such a thing, and um yeah that, that just completely intrigued me that you know i've lived in the uk my whole life i would never heard anything about this and then the minute i started to research i realized that there was a full community of people
1: getting
0: out and on a daily basis about this so yeah with that that's kind of how i got into it you want me to talk about the earlier experiences as well in the house and yeah
1: like that? i mean just just completely freeform. it i mean it's very interesting to know w- what the issue was in the house that got you that's into cool. it and then the the mind uh, opening experience at 11 or 12 that's extraterrestrial because my mind yeah. is already like oh my gosh she has been abducted you know no. check for chips and little plants behind the ear and things like that right yeah yeah
0: so when so when i grew up in this house it was a normal house um, on a my, my mom and dad uh, you know working class family i had an older sister and an older brother and our house was on a council estate and you know there was nothing really into what about the house it was a really nice house we had a really good upbringing as children and from a very early age i could tell that you know the adults were, were talking about things and I, I kept catching people out in mid conversation but still too young to understand really what was being said or what, what the fuss was all about and then around about four or five years old maybe a bit younger um i had an experience and even with my young mind at that time, I knew that this wasn't right. This, this fell off, it was different. And my mum had gone in, gone into the bathroom, she was getting into the bath and she basically said to me, look Ben, I'll be locking the bathroom door because it's kicking out time from school. People and sister might come running in, you know, and not know that I'm in the bath and, and running on me. So I'll be locking the door. Do you want to sit downstairs and play with, um, sorry, watch the TV? Or do you want to come upstairs and, and play with your toys? And I made a decision that I would sit downstairs and watch the TV. And while I'm doing that, you know, like any four or five-year-old boy at the time, really short attention span, um, I decided actually I will go upstairs. I'll go upstairs and play with the toys. So I jumped off the sofa and I sat down in front of the TV and switched it off. Now, this was one of the old school TVs that used to fizzle out with the black and white static before it would go to a solid blank. And so I'm kneeling in front of the TV and I'm watching this static appear on, on the screen. And as it fizzled out, there was still something there in the reflection shimmering. And it, it confused me, it baffled me at the time. And I was thinking, oh, well, maybe I've not turned the TV off properly, which is silly now looking back. But you know, as a young child, that's the kind of thought process that you, that you go down. So I turned it on and turned it back off. And sure enough, over my left shoulder in the reflection of this TV, stood roughly about where the door was behind me. And there was still something in the reflection. So I thought, what the hell is this? Um, and the only way I can describe what I was looking at was, it was like a heat wave on a really warm day when you look down the road and you see that shimmer of, of heat. Oh, yeah. But it was sub-vertical, and it had like the cookie-cutter shape of a human. You know, the head, the shoulders. I didn't see any legs. Um, this thing kind of stopped roughly just a bit before where the floor was. And I never at any point decided to look directly at the door. Instead, what I did was just keep looking at this thing through the reflection. And as I did that, I stood up and I carried on. I started to walk back towards the Mm -hmm. sofa, always keeping eye contact through the reflection. So if you imagine I'm looking at the TV off to my right, say one o'clock, where this thing is in actual space and time is off to like, say, um, 11 o'clock. And I'm watching it in the reflection. I'm sat there and this thing really does now start to shimmer quite violently. And it also appeared to be growing in size. And for whatever reason, whether I believed it was getting closer to me or just curiosity, I quickly turned my head to have a look over at the living room door. And this thing, whatever it was, glided at such a speed right up into my face and sent me into a complete panic mode. In panic mode. Um, you know, I scrambled up the back of the sofa, I kicked all the cushions off. I remember trying to scream for my mum, and at the time nothing would come out. There was no there was no audible sound there whatsoever um and i panicked i jumped over the side of the um over the arm of the sofa ran to the door where this thing had just been stood and then up the stairs to my mum and you can imagine as well like my mum at this point listening to a small child saying that something just glided across the floor um up into my face she was very very concerned and no doubt by this point as well she'd already experienced a few things um or you know experiencing things at the time so it was it was very concerning for her that i'd seen this but well, that was my first ever experience after that everybody seemed to have an experience um my dad would tell stories of when he'd come home late from work um friends of the family who would be, who would dog sit for us while we were away on mm. holidays, they would call up and say i can't do this anymore like you're gonna have to get the next door neighbor to come get the key off me and take over because i'm going home i'm not coming back oh wow it was that, yeah it was that bad it, it things really did get out of hand and eventually um over time this thing did start to speak as well it, it gained the voice inside to talk to you or everyone. Um, no to my dad so the story mm-hmm. is that my dad was a long distance lorry driver and he would work very very long hours so usually when my dad gets home everybody's in bed because he's, he's home at like three or four in the morning and he'd always have a routine you know he could never just work on the road for 12 hours um 18 hours or whatever it was and then come home and jump straight into bed his body um would be still in in overdrive so mm-hmm. what he did come home, put the kettle on for himself and maybe watch a bit of TV or something before climbing into bed. And he said that this night was no different. He came home, it was like three or four o'clock in the morning, put the kettle on, he bent down in the fridge, everyone's asleep, he bent down in the fridge to get the milk and over his right shoulder into his ear, he heard a female's voice say, Gary. Now, Gary is actually my dad's name. So, um, you know, all the hairs on the back of his neck stood straight up on end. Um, and, he, and he was frozen in the spot where he was, just bent down in the fridge. And he said that it was that, it was that realistic, this voice, that he almost turned around and said, yeah, thinking it was my mum. Mm. But sure enough, there was no one there. And um, my dad's mother had passed away only a few weeks before this happened. So my initial go-to was, well, was it your mum? And he said, absolutely not. It wasn't my mum. It's not a voice that I've ever heard before. It wasn't someone I'm familiar with. Um, But it was definitely a female voice, and whoever it was knew who I was. And this played with my dad for a a very, very long time. And my dad Mm. is really, you know, he's he's straight as a guy. If he doesn't see it, he doesn't believe it. And um, he always thinks logically about everything. But the fact that this thing knew his name really did play with his head for a very long time, you know, because it just leads to so many more questions.
2: Mm.
0: that's something that I can't see is sharing the same space and time as me, knows who i am you know is this someone from a um is this someone that i once lived on this on this planet with and they passed away and they're, they're watching me is it someone that i've never met before but lives in a different dimension there's just so many questions that come from that and um yeah that really did mess my dad up quite a bit
1: did um did the house have some kind of a history you know sometimes you hear of uh things like that tragic events etc you know that that whole backstory yeah. a lot of places have, was, yeah, was the house old?
0: Um, no, not relatively speaking, the house was, wasn't any older than uh, any of the other surrounding buildings but what this house did is, I'll tell you a bit about this, so my next neighbours were um, a, a really elderly couple at the time and so they'd, they'd known the people that lived in the house before mm. us and there was an elderly woman in the house before us called Mrs Bates and she was um, a religious woman. It would often be visited by the priest they'd sit in the front mm. room and they'd, they'd read sermons from from the bible well mrs bates died at the bottom of the stairs um while her son was away on holiday he was her carer um you know she could still her about she could still do her own, her own thing she wasn't mobile or anything but she had an accident on the stairs and fell and um, she wasn't found for some time after when her son got back holiday at the bottom of the stairs so, she, so that is one person that we know definitely died in the house and a few years before that event, the priest had also choked death in the front living room, um which is a very in her name yeah, yeah in Mrs. Oh, Bates wow. living room. yeah, he choked in the front living room and died um yeah and and the the weird thing is is when I mention those two people to you, like an old a little old lady and a man of the cloth, you wouldn't expect you know this to be a scary kind of upon, but mm. if you and so I can never make sense of that. Some of these experiences that we had were terrifying, and it's just not, it doesn't seem right to think that it could have been those two people. So we do suspect as well that there might have been more people who had died in the house.
1: Do you, did you feel that the attacks were um, that just the unusual uh, aspect of the, of the interactions was what was terrifying, or were they very intentionally malevolent and out to scale? what was your feeling about that
0: yeah this this thing this whatever was causing the issues within the house was definitely um this was this was a a being that was out to scare and play tricks and Mm. you know cause fiddlery because even even down to the silliest of things like things would go missing and we'd all we'd all chip in and we'd all be trying to find this this whatever it was this item and it would be in the most obvious place a place that you've usually checked 10 times before mm-hmm. like still in the middle of the living room And it was almost as if it was just to say you know i can beat you i'm I'm playing games with you kind of thing um and, and again mentioning like whispering people's names in the ears and, and little things like that but yeah it was it didn't ever seem like a friendly spirit like the bangs and the noises that would come from the mm. house um were horrendous there wasn't like you know the things zone. move
1: i mean visually in front of you like flowers oh, on yeah. the shelf and mm-hmm. all the classics all the diced. it's yeah
0: yeah and i'll give you one example of that so um when i was uh, around about the age of 14 15 now um in my bedroom there was a shelf just off to my right where my bed was and it had all my deodorant cans all my smellies and things on there and this is when the first playstation one came out um, and i've been playing up on the playstation for quite some time and i saw a deodorant count in my peripheral vision just slide from one end of the shell back and i paused the game i quickly looked but nothing had, nothing had moved and i couldn't see anything moving on the shelf so i thought at this point well i've been playing the computer a while maybe mm. you know I'm not playing tricks so i play a pressed play and i carried on playing the playstation and i saw it happen again really really quickly but you know like this time now i'm thinking i know i saw that like the first time I, maybe I, i'm, I'm either trying to convince myself that i'm tired but the second time i didn't know i saw that move so what i did was i took like a mental note and i thought right okay that's the can that's moved i know it's roughly like in line with that links can you know mm. to the right of it, it's in line with the writing and the letter, the letter in there if it moves again i'll know so i pressed play and i carried on playing the, the computer this time the can that in question, almost looked as if someone had just tapped the top of the can, and it was wobbling back and forth, ready to tip over. So I thought, right, okay, that's definitely moving now. I can see this in the corner of my eye. I'm actually watching this in the corner of my eye. This is moving. So I paused the computer, and I thought it'd be like for some strange reason. I thought it would be like the movies, you know, when you quickly turn and look, and it stops. It didn't. It carried on moving, and, and, and there was this moment of crap. Like, what is happening? You supposed to have stopped moving. So I'm watching this can rocking back and forth on the shelves, and I'm trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And I'm sat there puzzled, looking at this, and all of a sudden, just as it looked as if it was about to tipple over completely, it shot off at an angle and hit me on the side of the face. <laughs> in complete hysterics, I jumped off the bed, I got wrapped in all the controller wires, pulled the computer off the side, and ran to the bed. <laughs> um, my mum and dad obviously downstairs thinking, what the hell is going on? There's all this banging up there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Little things like
0: that, you know, stick with me. Classic
1: forever. genuine fear response. Yeah. Can't be argued I mean, with it. So nobody's taking that, getting wrapped up in the wires. <laughs> the whole company. down the, the stairs up, with the PlayStation trailing up. behind you. <laughs> yeah. Completely wrapped in wires.
0: I pulled it all off the side. I just didn't care at that point. All I wanted to do was get to the bottom of the stairs, to the
1: living yeah. door where
2: oh. my parents were. Not, we're not work.
1: <clears throat> it sounds terrifying. You know, it's. um. It's strange with these old houses sometimes. I'm—I uh, don't really have, a, well, maybe I do have a strong opinion on what these things may be sometimes. And I but it's not an area that I investigate. So because of that, I'm sort of out of the loop, so to speak. But we grew up in a very old house. I think mean, it was built in the early 1800s. Again, you know, sort of like terrace streets, but the buildings were really old. Uh, and when we're in now is from 1866, and this this one was much older than that. Then, you know, and um, yeah, you know, all the similar things, you know, cup flying off the shelf and hitting you in the head, or little growls behind you, or a black shape running past the the um, the hall window. It was kind of like that. That bathroom glass, you know, that um, what do they call that type of glass? The frosted uh, glass. Yes. Yeah. Sorry I can't remember that name or oh, you know even standing in the doorway when you sort of half open your eyes you know at, at night or in the morning all this kind of weird stuff anyway then stopped completely stopped the moment we left the house you know yeah. never never well, experienced is, it anywhere else it, again.
0: Yeah well this is a question that I get asked quite a lot because obviously I mean that's just um, you know that's only scratching the surface of what happened if you think about this I lived in the house for 18 years of my life before I eventually left to, to join the army um, and a lot of people will always say to me well, well why did you stay there for so long if all this was going on and what you've got to remember is that you know my mum and dad had three children at the time yeah, um, their, first, loud. yeah their first house that they bought together um, they were pro- probably in high demand at mm. the time and it wasn't like the activity was non-stop every day you know yeah. for six months we might have nothing happen at all and then all of a sudden we'd have three weeks of just hell where things are flying off the mm. wall and there's has big noises heard and you know, and it would go on and on and on like this. And I think yeah. it was those those long periods when nothing happened, that we almost convinced ourselves that we, we got used to it. Oh, you know, nothing's happening now, yeah. it's calming down. And we, we that's why we stayed there for so long. But yeah, um, that seems to puzzle people a lot as
1: to people why- People kind stayed. of climatize to most things actually. That's right. You really can. And um, yeah, you know, you get like a thick skin to certain things, that makes perfect sense to me. So. There's that, but then there's an extraterrestrial experience at age, you say, 11 to, between 11 and 12? It really well, yeah. sort of blew your socks off. So if that sounds pretty blow-your-socks-off material anyway, what yeah. happened to you when you were uh, between 11 and 12? Yeah, so yeah, this
0: has actually been in the papers, so people listening to this might, might be familiar with this, because it recently went worldwide, uh, you know, and as papers do, they twisted the story quite a bit. So. Yeah. It'll be nice for me to just put this straight but yeah. when i was 11 or 12 years old um, i was in the Cub scout was a very keen outdoorsy type child um bushcraft was my area of expertise and there was a place where we used to go for weekend camps and it was called snowball plantation this was a, a cub scout place where we'd go for the weekend we'd set up tents and like i said practice bushcraft i used to love going there brilliant and the camp went smoothly there was nothing untoward there whatsoever but it was on the way back that, you know, my life changed forever. Um, and we was on a minibus heading home and the Cub Scout leader at the time was stood up in the middle of the bus. Now, you've got to remember, this is 1997. So this is 20 something years ago for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, she stood up in the middle of the bus and she said, we're going to be doing a random stop. Basically, it was a random stop, a peace stop for anyone who wants to jump off um, and then we'll quickly get back on the bus and hit the road again me and my friend decided to jump off the bus and stand at the side of the road taking a peek. Um, being quite shy quite a shy child i didn't want to stand shoulder to shoulder with my friend doing that but there was a little embankment in front of us it was only about a bit taller than maybe shoulder height for us at the time
2: mm-hmm.
0: from the road you couldn't see up the embankment into the woods at the top but once you were up there on top of the embankment you know you're still invisible sight of the adults and then you would have full view of what what's in the woods so I ran up this little embankment and I'm stood there now looking into these woods. And as I'm looking through the woods, I saw this little outbuilding. It was a brick building, clearly derelict, clearly not in use anymore. There was bricks missing, ivy growing all over it. And it was just a really weird thing to see because I was thinking, well, where's the rest of this building? Like, Why is this random little brick building in the middle of this woods no, no longer used? Like... To me, in my mind at the time, it, it looked like it was probably used for to storing tools or something like that. So as I'm looking further through the woods, trying to find the rest of, the rest of this broken up building, I noticed something move off to my left. And what I saw, clear as day, this was only, you know, maybe less than 20 meters away. It wasn't a dense forest, so I had a really good look at this thing. It was a green creature. Now, I call it creature and not reptilian because I don't know what the hell this thing was. I can only describe what I saw. Um, It was green from head to toe. The color green was olive. Um, It had a very small head with black eyes. The arms came past the knees and it walked with a stoop, um, leant forward as it walked. Now, I'm not sure if it walked that way because it was so tall and dangly or if it was trying to keep a low profile as it walked through the woods. I'm really not sure. sure. But we had this moment where, you know, I looked up, I saw this thing and it looked over at me and it saw me. It didn't seem phased whatsoever. You know, it didn't. It was almost like it knew that I wouldn't run back down the embankment, screaming "alien, alien!" It just kind of so blasé about walking through these woods and me seeing it. Um, and it carried on walking in that direction. Now, I ran. My initial thought at that time, stood at the top of that embankment, was "Ah, okay, this is a practical joke. Mm-hmm. This is this is a trick." And so, what I thought, I made up a little thing in my head really quickly on the spot, right there and then. And I thought, I know what I'll do. I won't mention that I've seen it. And then all their time and all their effort that they've gone through to put this in front of me, will be- <laughs> I haven't even seen what they've tried to trick me with. But I turned back around. I got went down the embankment and climbed on the bus. And I waited. And I waited for someone to say, "Ah, we got you. You were so scared. You should have seen your face." Nobody said anything about this green creature walking through the woods. And You know, the conversations were all normal about the camp and what they're doing when they get home. Wow. That completely baffled me. And the weird thing about this whole story is that I forgot completely about this whole experience for many, many years, until I was about mid to late 20s and I was at work one day. There was nothing in front of me to -hmm. bring back this memory. I wasn't reading a book on aliens. I wasn't even watching documentaries or anything like that at this time. I was just at work in a car park. And I walked to the parking house at the time in a multi story car park, and like a ball of lightning, this all came back to me the emotions and everything. The memory it was oh. so vivid that it physically shook me. Like I felt emotions, I felt scared almost, sad, mm. confused. And we oh, um, re- lived the moment, the trauma of the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Mm. And, and what was scary to me is I didn't know where these emotions were coming from. where this memory had popped out from but it was there and i remember absolutely every small detail i remember it was a really really warm day i remember that there was white flowers coming up through the forest floor and i remember stood at that embank on the top of that embankment thinking how strange this creature's legs looked as it brushed through these white flowers even the smallest details like that came back to me um and that's when i got into um, the cryptid side of things because at that point i typed in green man because that's all I had. I didn't know what yeah. it was called. I didn't really know about reptilians or anything at this point. I just typed in green man, and I got all these different images coming through up on Google, and um, that's when I discovered that people were also seeing similar things, reporting similar things, and, it, and that blew me, blew me away completely.
1: I mean, that that's an amazing site. And not the only one like that I've heard. What's interesting to me, actually, is um, a lot of people have sightings like that, but they don't have this extra... Uh, level of perception you have which is that you're an artist, very good artist which I yeah. found out um, recently with the, the wonderful gift the Bigfoot picture you. that you, you sent me, thank you um, but I mean this really means that you have this extra layer of perception so you notice all these tiny details what's interesting to me with that is so what you know, what can you tell us about that the face, what the face had black eyes had a small head but what, what were the contours of the face like, did it have a pronounced a separate nose was it scaly you know with the arms long and sinewy and or was it sort of thick and and muscular was was there any hair in the body what what, what kind of details did you see so the the skin wasn't scaly um it was more like a leathery texture
0: Mm. um it definitely wasn't a one-piece suit or anything like that this was this was skin this was flesh but it looked like rhino skin just olive green Mm. Um, the eyes was not cat eyes, you know, with the slit down the middle or anything like that. They were just human. I, I would say they were a bit bigger than humans, but not massive wrap around eyes like you would expect with the alien mm. grade, you know, Hollywood's version of what But still it was. that shape, that sort of. Sort still, of... That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, still the human shape. Okay. Still the human shape, just a, just a little bit bigger than a human eye, but solid black. Um, the head, in proportion to the rest of the body, was, was very, very small. Um, mm. I'd probably say a bit smaller than a human's head. But when you think about how tall and dangly this thing was, you know, the head should have been a lot bigger. That um, was to repaint that or draw that. I would mm. say straight away that the proportions are, are completely out and um, the head is too small.
1: And what kind of height are we talking about as a, a approximate like,
0: yeah, estimate I'm for a child who's 11 years feet. old?
1: Yeah, about, about six and a half
0: feet, six and a half feet, close to seven feet tall. Um,
1: it was a tall top. And thin, skinny, or sort of relatively? very,
0: very. Very yeah, I mean, very, very, very thin. Um, not
1: anorexic, thin, you know, it wasn't skin and bones, lean. It def- yeah, lean. it's amazing. I mean it's, I mean, it's and was it? I mean, did you feel that obviously you're looking at something otherworldly? Yes, yeah. but that's something that you can feel when you're looking at perhaps a Bigfoot as well. Did you feel that you were looking at something not from this world or just something? are unaware of I mean what are, what are your thoughts on that now that it was an extraterrestrial that it was something that's here something completely unknown to you
0: yeah I feel that you know I think that this was an extraterrestrial um, mm. and I think that what's happened on that day is you know I don't know if this creature does this once a week once a year or how many times it does this but I know that on that day it didn't expect a school bus full of kids to <laughs> up and you know i think peeing amazing. at
1: the side of the road suddenly in the middle of nowhere <laughs>
0: right. yeah and I think I think had we have pulled up 10 meters down the road you yeah. know or five minutes later or before I would have completely missed that that was just a chance encounter yeah. where this thing was caught off guard
1: wow yeah well that's amazing to me yeah and uh, oh, our mutual friend Chris Turner made a great documentary on right. reptilian sightings and uh, I recently um, interviewed James Bartley as well about similar subject and he obviously is a, he's, um, an expert in that, that field. What's interesting to me is the possible crossovers. Um, did you and did you feel looking at the creature, now, say there had been a Bigfoot in the forest, you may have felt that you were looking at an animal, you know a sentient intelligent animal like an ape of some kind, but did you feel that you were looking at some sort of animal with this creature or this this was a being in the same way that you're a being you're a human and that's a, an equivalent of another yeah. species
0: yeah i definitely felt like there was some kind of intelligence out of this thing um mm. i don't know where i get that from I, I don't know why i'm saying that to you um mm. because there's things significant that happened you know they can they can make me say right this is why i think that um it was literally like i said it looked up at me i looked at this thing but if it was, you know, if it was stooping over to keep a low profile, I think that is a sign of intelligence to some degree. Um, Absolutely.
1: And you locked yeah. eyes with it. Uh, did, did, did you see some sort of expression of acknowledgement or, or did you see the dismissive, blasé expression? Or was yeah. it just that I mean, you could even pick that up from a bear or a fox or anything without really seeing too much in the face you can pick up on the body language right was it more body language that was blasé or something in, it, in its expression? That's a great question
0: Andy and you know I've never ever mentioned this before because it's never been put in that way before but you know you've just mentioned other animals and you know we're all, we're all familiar with the looks that a dog will give us or a cat mm. or you know even a chimp this Thing looked at me in a way that I've never made eye contact with any other animal, and like I said, mm. it was almost like it knew. It knew that I wouldn't run away. It knew that I wouldn't be scared enough to go to yeah. anybody. I don't know how it knew that, but I had this sense that it was just so in control of that situation, um, and I, and I don't know why or how it knew, but it was just so. It was too
1: calm. It was too calm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe your body language as well. I always um. And we'll come on to this side of of your your Bigfoot hunts as well um, in the UK. When I've been out there, sometimes there's been a few incidents where I've suddenly wondered if I'm just about to have an experience. In that very moment that that happens, that I think, oh, I think something's coming and I think this could be it or this is a a possibility, something's here. I suddenly realised that, Whatever I'm going to be face-to-face to is a real thing, probably an individual. And just like any other animal has the choice to make a split-second decision on how to deal with that incident, this yeah. thing will too, only it might have the ability to pull my arms off. <laughs> you know? yeah. And that kind of reality of the situation is very unnerving, actually, because you start to question, do you really want to see? Isn't this something I would prefer to see in a scope from a quarter of a mile away? than uh, face-to-face in the woods for that intimidating one-on-one moment. So has that been your experience out in the woods as well? You've you've had these poltergeist terrifying experiences, you've had this extraterrestrial encounter, seemingly. Now you're out in the woods looking for big phenomena in the UK. Have you had instances like that, like that one, or at least felt that you are getting some sort of traction with whatever may be hiding out there.
0: It's, it's like chasing shadows sometimes, you know. And, and, and the hard thing is is that I do know these things exist. And I do know that they are on this planet roaming around because I've experienced that myself. Um, had I not experienced that, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But mm-hmm. I know 100% with myself that, you know, not everybody out there is lying or making up these mm-hmm. stories. These things are out there. and. Um, i've never had an experience like when i was 10 or 11 years old with this creature in the woods but it doesn't stop me from trying because one day i might you know before that was pulled up that day i never knew that my life was going to change that and so i'm hoping that in the future um i can make more sense of what is going on um i have had experiences like what you've just mentioned similar where you have the feeling that something is imminent like the birds in the woods Mm. even the wind will stop it's, it becomes deadly deadly quiet um, and i'll tell you a, a funny time when this happened um i was on the north Yorkshire Moors, and i was walking through the woods bird song was was loud the wind was rustling through the leaves trees were swaying and all of a sudden that stopped and it stopped for a good minute and i, mm-hmm. and I had this horrible feeling that something was gonna happen and i'll tell you something did happen an earthquake happened and yeah. um, the, the whole forest floor started to shake and and i the, the sky above I actually caught this on video it's on my channel on one of the videos and the sky above me was almost exploding off into the distance and it was the most surreal experience that i've ever had and you know I've had, so i know that nature like birds and other animals are mm. well in tune with what is about to come or if there's anything balance because they knew well before i knew that the ground was about to start shaking mm. And then I've had that experience other times when there has been an earthquake and you just think, what the hell is going on? What do these animals know? Um, So, like you said, very, very nerve-wracking when that does happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had that once or twice before. You know, you're passing uh, some sort of little moorland areas or there's a whole bunch of noisy frogs there. Then they just shut up. (laughs) And it's It's, not because of you, because they've been croaking their asses off before that. You know, Well, you've been there and suddenly... Then they're just quiet I'm like oh the frog shutting up is not a good sign (laughs) because that means they think something big and bad is around um you know it's it's a funny thing I like yourself I've been out a lot looking for bits and pieces in the UK and um you know it's it's a troubling I suppose for many people it's a troubling concept the British people because we're an island number one yeah um, but, you know, my retort to that always: we had bears and wolves and, you know, much further go mammoths and woolly rhinos and cave lions. And we're an island. You know, stuff got here. It wasn't always an island. It was joined at one point. So I don't think that's much of an argument. But it is relatively a small place. And that's an argument that's fed back to me a lot. I always use that uh, uh, UK national ecosystem statistic of 6.8 percent of the entire landmass is urban sprawl including the rural settlements and roads, but people still don't get it. Now, you go out there a lot. Let the audience know, if you agree, that is, what kind of sparsity and underpopulation is out there, you know, in, in, the, in the wilds of Britain? You know, what, what, what kind of interactions are you having with other people when you're out in the woods? Are you seeing people, or is it just you and emptiness?
2: Well, to put it into perspective, um, you know, the North Yorkshire is 554 square miles of uh, wooded areas, valleys, um, you know, lakes,
0: uh, rolling hills. And I spend a lot of my time out there, sometimes weeks on end camping solo. And if I really, really wanted to, I could I could make myself invisible. I could never see a person ever again. And that's just on the North Yorkshire Moors. Mm. And when you go to places like Scotland, that becomes even easier because the area is bigger, it's much more remote. Um and and I know that even on the North Yorkshire Moors, like I've said, you know, where there's the cycle paths here and there, there's roads cutting through, and there's dog walkers, people hacking a horseback. I can stay completely hidden, and I have done this. I've done this for as long as I want to, you know? Um, it's not that difficult because people are out there looking for these things, you know? Nobody's thinking, there's a guy in the forest hiding from me right now. Um, <laughs> and so it makes my life very, very easy to stay hidden. If there is a creature out there, um, and that's its sole purpose um, on this planet. If they're hidden, I have no doubt in my mind that it would be a very easy task.
1: Mm, I think so. I think so. And what about the witnesses? You know, I I've received when I doubt it. When I doubt that it could be a reality, I you know I come across another super compelling witness. Somebody. Yeah. No skin in the game really that's just had this crazy experience they can't explain have you encountered many people like that with the british bigfoot phenomena
0: i have yeah there's, there's been you know for every one or two stories that you get waiting that this guy's just you know trying to get the attention and there's always one story that makes you like you said um sit back on the on the fence and think wow this mm. really did affect this person this person really did come away with some kind of trauma from what they have experienced um and there's people out there that I've spoken that I've, I have no question about you know, they seem as genuine as they come, there's no reason for them to lie like you've said and the story, I always think if you're going to make a story that most people left to their own accord will try and elaborate and make it um, mm. fanciful and it's the ones where the, the small details you know, when they mention the small details and you, and you think to yourself they didn't need to tell me about that like that doesn't add to the story, that doesn't make the story any more exciting. But yet they told me it. It's those details that I think, right? Okay, maybe there is something here
1: now. Then, yeah, inconsequential details that you yeah. can't leave out of the story. Yeah, yeah, that make no difference to. Yeah, it's th- it's amazing. It's an amazing genre, and I think it's it's a growing community in the UK as well, and more people like yourself and others. And there's some great sort of new people groups around as well actually that are really genuine and open and, and friendly you know right. jumping and stomping on people all over the place there's a really and I feel this throughout all of crypto as well there seems to be a, a growing movement of largely in many cases newer people in one sense or another that are just saying let's work together let's chat let's keep it friendly let's explore all the options and I you know, I just love that Um, I would like to get your opinion on the big cats, the British big cats, because of course you're out there a lot. Yorkshire Moors, I mean have a lot of big cat sightings there in that whole area. So what are your thoughts on that and have you had any experiences?
0: I've never, no, you see I've never had an experience with the big cats. There's a lot of people, I know that Christina um, really does speak highly of the big cats and I have no reason to to doubt it. Uh, There's a lot of footage out there and a lot of people claiming to have seen. Even where I live now, um, East Coast, there's places around here that people swear they've seen big cats. So, um, yeah, I have no reason to doubt it. I've just never experienced anything for myself. You know, I've never seen a, a print that's mm. unquestionable. Um, I've never heard any growls or, or birds or anything like that. So, yeah. You know,
1: and what about the, the likelihood of those things being able to eke out a living on the Yorkshire Moors, prey items and and places to yeah. hide what do you think about that
0: yeah very 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 easy i mean for anyone that's never been to the UK or you know you've never took a stroll through the north york journals like i said you, it is possible to walk for hours on end and never see anybody um, and everywhere you go pretty much you know within a few miles there'll be cattle of some kind whether it's cows or sheep um is even wild chickens just running around on the roads and stuff so oh, really? it's, Plenty of food in these areas for, for a wildcat to survive on.
1: Uh, rabbits and uh, what about deer? Deer population? Deer, the deer
0: population is massive. Um, I mean, I can go out every November and October during rooting season on the North Yorkshire Moors, and I could take someone religiously to go see um, a family of deer that I see every year, and a red deer as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. really big. There's also, like you said, rabbits and, and foxes, badgers, things like that. Yeah.
1: Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I think it's a, yeah, that's something for me that's very intriguing. It's not really cryptozoology, I know, but it's from the out-of-place animal um, perspective, the tag-on the cryptozoology and, uh, and the unknown. It's an amazing thing for me to think that there could possibly be a, a population of sorts around the UK. It do seem to be that widespread. And um, of course, you know, we can look at an origination point for that as well, that Dangerous Wild Animals Act in 1976, which might answer some of those questions as to how they got there, at least, you know. Um, And if they are out there and they're pretty conspicuous and they're eking out a living without being, I suppose, captured or at least acknowledged by DEFRA and the other people out there, then I think that gives more credibility to other species being hidden out there as well, from my perspective. So it's a kind of, it's a bolster for me. Big cat yeah. phenomena is a bolster to the you know the, the bigfoot phenomena um you know what would be really nice i guess would be to talk about some of your thoughts on tracking i know you you know you spent some time in the army you're quite a you know a seasoned outdoorsman what kind of things do you do what what techniques do you utilize when you're out there looking for, for bigfoot yes yeah, so for me personally i try and
0: cover you know all bases uh so. Um, what I'll do is I'll take some sticky tape and I'll wrap that around a few branches that are above. Mm. I have to stand on my tiptoes pretty much to to, to reach these branches. or just a bit 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 lower than that, only so I can rule out the small games, um, poppy badger, etc. And that's hopefully I do that in the hope to, to find some kind of hair
1: samples. Mm. Anything fast, it will stick to the tape. Um, oh, know, I double, okay, great. Sorry, what you say? That's great. I like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll do things like that. Um, I have game cameras, multiple game cameras that I'll set out um, just to see where the the, the, foot track of the foot traffic of animals is is headed, you know? And that's why I know where this family of deers reside every, every you know, October, November, mm. uh, through the game cameras. And it's just nice, even if you're not picking up anything unexplained, to figure out what the movement of animals in that area is um, and what their patterns are. Um, also as well, Pastor Par- um Aparis, things like that, the prints, i always carry a pack of that in my bag. And um beyond that, a lot of it is just down to your own basic instinct, you know, knowing what the different sounds are in the mm-hmm. woods, learning the environment when things are right, when feels up when things don't feel right. And um, becoming one with where you are in that environment. Because a lot of the time when people go out there, they don't know what a fox sounds like. They don't they've never heard a female mm-hmm. big the they've never heard two hedgehogs fighting or two or, or um, you know a nest of barn owls all
1: of which sound horrific, if mm. you don't know. Yeah, I mean, the woods, I mean, the sounds the woods at night are terrifying. If you're yeah. unfamiliar with, with what's out there, they certainly are terrifying. Foxes, especially. I mean, I'm just in the outskirts of London. It's like it's yeah. fox paradise here. I got in, in an evening walk in my neighborhood. I've seen 12, 13, 14 different foxes, and yeah, there's so many. Um, one of the things I think is it's it's very important for people to to get a hold of in this genre, and it's something that's always been a big bugbear for me personally. It's the sticks and stones they call it, you know, yeah. phenomena, sticks especially, and the formations. And you say you know you used to do a lot of um, you know, a lot of uh, scouting when you're young as well, and of course, you know, erecting little teepees when you're a scout and everything. That's part of it, isn't it? I did that that's part of the whole thing. What do you think about this phenomena in the Bigfoot? Uh, community is is it damaging that this is almost like a feeder pill that gives people this feeling of success constantly and and yet it's not really proving anything other than you found sticks so what's your personal opinion on that and if you do find any funny formations how do you you know how do you check out the area to to confirm what you're looking at yeah I don't for me, the stick
0: structures don't really hold any weight because you know I've seen the most weirdest formations form naturally in front of my eyes um, on bluff mm-hmm. days. layers. Um, you know the way that trees can fall and stack up. It, I, you see everything like from crosses and mm-hmm. um, like, almost hashtag type formations. So I don't really, I don't really think it holds any weight for me. Um, I think that if there is a creature out there and it's living off the land and it's been this elusive for this long. It doesn't need the aid of sticks you know mm. navigation. like you said we live on an island it's not a great big this is not the pacific northwest um you know i can go out you can drop me anywhere in the uk pretty much without a sat nav or um any kind of poem and beacon and i, yeah. and I guarantee walk for a few hours i'll find a road i'll find uh, yeah
2: some...
0: so like, this thing whatever it is i don't think it needs the aid of sticks i don't i think it's it's perfectly attuned to, to its environment and it knows exactly where to move, at what times of year, um, without the aid of
1: sticks. I have to agree with that, I have to agree with that. I mean it's it's nice if you think about it, you know, you go out into the woods and there's something there's no shortage of in the woods, <laughs> sticks, and you find some sticks in a glyph-like shape or it looks like an A or whatever else and, and sometimes, you know, um, while campers and scouts and other people go out and just mess around, you know, we just mess yeah. around. Or, or people even clearing, clearing forestry will often stack sticks, you know, in little sort of tree clefts, yeah, to keep them, you know, keep them there for later, or even for firewood or whatever's going on. Well, the biggest and,
0: thing is a lot of these these younger plantations that they're, they're not they're man-made plantations and they're not fully rooted trees. You know, they don't have the time that's required to become mature rooted trees and so Mm. you'll find that after a few winters these these trees the young um, trees will blow in different directions fall out uproot fruit themselves just just chaos especially on the north york i see this all the time There's actually full plantations that have been you know blown down and every single one of those trees has created some kind of a formation if that's what
1: you want it to do it's treacherous to walk through this sometimes when we were in galloway forest park a few years back there was a lot of plantation there in, in certain yeah. sections and you could even see like a whole hill full of pine normally you know it was whatever it is just all sort of dominoed on top of each other it, yeah. it just, and of course the ground there is probably the same in, in Yorkshire it's sodden. it's so wet yeah. there's like moss that's a foot high that you're walking through and stuff like that and it's just yeah people don't think about it it's a nice thought but, you know, we yeah. obviously need a lot of prep around that. You know, if anything that could erect a teepee in the middle of the, the auction Wars also might be heavy enough to leave a good set of footprints and a few hairs about. And yeah. um, the only time I would
0: probably really start paying attention um, you know, raise half an eyebrow is if someone could show me a tree upturned, stuck deep in the ground with the yeah. bridge facing up. Things like that, I will entertain. I will, yeah. I will look at that because that's not a normal thing to occur. Also, as well, if there's any kind of pattern, like reoccurring pattern, you know, if you if you see that five trees are being snapped at the same height and then you walk a few hundred meters and another five trees at the same height being snapped and they are all pointing in the same direction, that is a reoccurring pattern that just wouldn't happen that way. It's too coincidental. And if I see things like that, then maybe I would pay attention, but I've never seen things like that. I've never seen an upturned tree. Uh, and I know mean, that there are stories out there that I find mentioning this, the last stories of this happening, but I've just never physically seen that with my eyes.
1: Yeah. No, I'd have to agree. I really would. Um, Just quickly, before before we wrap up, tell people um, where they can find you, what projects you have out there available, and um, how they can get involved.
0: Yeah, so um, you can find me on YouTube, um, 401files. Um, I'm also on Instagram under that same name, 401files. And I've just started an Instagram page called Digital Creations with Ben, uh, which is where I'm going to be posting
1: some of my artwork there as well. Oh, yeah. And mm. Mm. Well, I, I also, I suggest to anybody, anybody, you know, and check out the artwork for sure. The Full and Files is also amazing. I love cryptid art. And um, Ben was very nice, uh, nice enough to give, gift me one of the pieces, which is now hanging on my wall, a uh, private place. And yeah, it, it's fantastic. You've just got to get involved. Uh, ben, okay, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. And we wish uh, you a happy, happy Christmas and a Merry New Year. Brilliant, Andy. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye. See you soon.